Chris, it's our first show since the end of January. A lot of stuff uh, around the world has happened, but I think we got to lead off with something that I think to the both of us that has really touched our hearts since our childhood. Um, We haven't really had a chance to talk about how awesome was Jackass Forever. When did you see it? Opening night. (laughs) Yeah, same. Oh my God. Not opening night. I saw it Saturday, so I saw it the day after, and it was like just as good as the other two. Oh. So I went with someone. I went with someone who didn't see, who I mean, she knows who Jackass is, but it was it's like our friend's um, fiance. She had never seen the other ones, but she'd seen like episodes of Viva La Bam. She had seen episodes of Wild Boys, so she like kind of had an idea about the world. But she was like, "Yeah, I'd never seen these," um, and and I I was like, "Dude, did you like to her her fiance?" I was like, "Garrett, did you fucking warn her about this like before going into it?" And she's like, "Oh, he's like, yeah, I warned her about it." And I was like, "No, but like, not the stunts. I mean, like, just the dick and balls and the dick and ball jokes and like just the guy humor and just like she's like, oh, he's like, yeah, no, trust me, I warned her." And she was dying laughing the whole time. When we got done watching, she goes, "Can we go back home and just watch the other three movies?" Like we were going to a we we're going to like a, a club that night to like this this show, and um, she was like she was like honestly guys like do we really do we even want to go this maybe let's just stay home and watch Jackass one through three like she was so pumped about it. It's just how can you not just love those movies and just how laugh at how ridiculous and stupid those guys are, dude. I so whenever we watch movies, we have a, a running booklet, and Whitney and I have a running booklet of the movie we watched a little review and we give it our score. I give it a four and a half out of five. Cause I'm like, dude, yeah. The fact that it's been 22 years, 23 years, these guys have been in our lives. They could still do it. And then just yeah. also seeing the kind of, they're all so charming still. Like they're all so mm-hmm. funny people. Like just seeing like Pontius just being doing this Pontius stuff. It's just also good. And they still are willing to take one for the team. They're willing to show how far can you take the human body? Like, yeah, and I, I loved how they, they paid. Hammer. Oh yeah. Oh God. Um, <laughs> I loved how they paid homage. They paid homage to a lot of the old, like the old original stunts, like the, the classics, like the, like the bull rider, like the bull attacking Knoxville and just like, I don't know, just stupid shit like that. It's honestly was one of my movie theater highlights, especially yeah, dude, I had more fun watching that in theater than like any Marvel movie I've seen. In dude, theater. that's a movie you have to see in theater because it's like you're a community. You're you're laughing at this shit together. Like that's the best part of it. Like like we all watched I, this stuff I, growing up. I died laughing out loud the entire time with fifty other people in the room. It was fucking awesome. I loved it. Well, the joy is over because guess what? Baseball's not back. Welcome to the town tailgate, everybody. <laughs> yeah, this is a baseball podcast. We should talk about baseball. Instead, we're going to talk about other jackasses. But- Hold on. One quick one quick basketball thought. Um, do you think that Mark Kotze reached out to the Warriors about tickets, or do you think that he just bought those on his own? Because if you're that fucking high in the stands, I guarantee he bought those on his own. I don't get it because you know if that was Gabe Kapler. Um, oh, let's, re- let's rewind it quick. A couple weeks ago. Um, Warriors, Nuggets playing at chase uh they showed mark kotze in the stands except mark kotze was like he wasn't in nosebleeds by any means but he was like he was second deck yeah it's like you shouldn't have a manager of uh like a neighboring team sitting that high up no matter where it's at unless that was Mm -hmm. his choice um they wouldn't do gabe cap like that I'll, i'll say it 
Gabe Kapler would probably be a douchebag and hit up the Warriors, though. Yeah, but you don't think after all these years... Look at Gabe be- Kapler, bro. Look at... I mean, Gabe Kapler's dope. I, lo- I love Gabe Kap- Kapler. I'm d- this is a bit, by the way, for the listeners who are going to, like, fucking aggregate this. Um, he just looks like a total D-bag. Like, you know, he's got, like, insane muscles. He's got his glasses. Like, he's got his beard. Like, he he's fucking... He writes to... Yeah, to, yeah. Like, like he seems Oracle like the type Park. of person who thinks he's, like, super fucking important in this world that we live in when he's not. And he probably would... If not, hit up the Warriors, hit up Farhan and be like, hey, do you think you could get me some tickets? And then he would hit up Blake up and then, like it would be a, a thing where where Mark Kotze seems like the type of guy who's like his son's just like, dad, can we go to a war game? And he's like, yeah, sure. And he goes on fucking he doesn't even go on game time. He doesn't even go on on a, he goes on, ticket on StubHub. He goes on Ticketmaster. Like he doesn't even do it on the app. He does it on his he does it on his laptop. No, not even his laptop. He does it on his desktop that's plugged into the wall in his like little office like in the corner of his living room, and he buys those <laughs> tickets and he prints them out on his printer. I don't. We were trying to paint like, quite the picture. I painted quite the picture there for you, didn't I? So what? what and I like how and I like how we're making fun of Katze about like being like this old school like 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 type of guy when he's just like a baseball saber met sabermetrician so he's probably pretty inept when it comes to technology. He's in like but his it's just it's funnier too. to paint. It's not like he's just. Yeah, it's just funnier to paint the picture that way. So we were talking before this. I don't know if you've, you've come up with any, but has there ever been a time where somebody has told you, oh, hey, don't worry about it. Like, say, for tickets or something. Hey, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it for you. And yeah. then it was just extremely below expectations. Like, this, has there ever been My brother does that all the time with literally everything that we do. Yeah, that sounds about right. Where Larry will tell you, like, oh, yeah, no, it's all planned out. Don't worry. And you get there. And it's like, Larry, we're at a crack house no it's not even like something <laughs> like that which i will say his birthday which is what, something you didn't go to by the way terrible friend um his birthday was uh actually well planned out and really smacking but you could probably argue that's more caitlin and Gapur and my sister and his and my brother's girlfriend but um no it's more things like hey caitlin's birthday's coming up we got to get her a gift like oh yeah we can get her this and i'm like okay cool he's like i'll get it i'll pick it up and then like it's the day before and i like hit him up like hey did you get that thing because you didn't send me a Venmo, chris he'll be like oh shit and then he'll like have to go and get it last minute and then like it won't be available and we'll just be like all right well i we guess we're getting her like a bottle of tequila instead i think there's been times where where when you've traveled you're like oh this thing is it's like the first time i went to times square it's like I've only seen Times Square in pictures. I'm like, oh yeah. look, this. And then I'm like, oh, Times Square sucks. Yeah, no one, no, no local like, New York person goes to Times Square. It's it's very much the Hollywood Boulevard, the, uh, you know, even though, Hollywood Boulevard's shittier though. I would say agreed, but um, like trashier. It's funny because even with Times Square Francisco, in the '70s though, even with story. the San Francisco tour stuff, it's still yeah. kind of cool because it's just San Francisco is just a really pretty city so like you can get away with that anyways. yeah and if you avoid the tenderloin like it's nice everywhere there ain't nothing tender about that motherfucker anyways we had a very uh kind of packed show for the first time in a while there's a lot of stuff we should a good on. 10 minutes not on baseball i just want that to that's okay know. sorry sorry listeners that's okay we you know we we're catching up it's been a while uh we got some stuff well guess what baseball is not coming back anytime soon we're gonna get a little deeper into that and there's some stuff that will be involved with the a's for that as well um, the environmental report. Hey, guess what, folks? It passed city council. What's next? We'll be talking about that. And uh, Eric Thames. You may remember him lighting the baseball scene on fire. Well, guess what? He is in the Oakland 
athletics organization. And then the back half of the pod, we are probably joined. our DH this year. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. There. And then the back half of the pod, we are joined by Melissa Lockhart. She is the staff writer and editor uh, for Bay Area Baseball for the Athletic. Uh, if you don't follow her on Twitter, fantastic follow. She's really just knows everything you need to know about the minor leagues. Uh, we brought on here to kind of talk about the minors and kind of like, hey, what should we look forward to this season? Who should guys are looking forward to and all that stuff. Also co-host of the Seamheads podcast, a fellow Oakland A's podcast. Yeah. But before going to that, Chris, that we knew this was going to happen, but it finally happened. Um, MLB, uh, they, the MLBPA and the owners were not able to reach an agreement, which by the deadline that was yesterday at 2 p.m. Pacific, which means the first two regular series, a regular season series have been canceled um yeah not much we we can say about that what do you want to where can we go from there man Seasons, I, I mean first two series are canceled. Can, we can we can do this dance all fucking day about we can go into the details if you i mean it it's pretty it's it's pretty uh i don't know i, I okay I side with the players on everything about this, pretty much. So um, I guess you could say I'm biased. There are a few things that I want, I want to bring up that um, I don't really understand the players' standpoint on that. So it, it almost feels like they're insulted by the method of negotiation that the league has been with them. So in response, they're just playing hardball, which makes sense. You, I mean, they you know, play hardball for a living. Exactly, and and the uh, you know I would have I have a really good misogynist. It's not a misogynistic actually. It's just very raunchy. I have a really good raunchy phrase I could throw in here that would um, explain um, a lot of the negotiation tactic um, from Major League Baseball, but I'm I'm not I'm not going to. Um, let's just say the phrase is I'm going to lay something on the table, and uh, this is the way it's going to go. Um, Many, many raunchy people out there know exactly what phrase I'm talking about. But it's just that Major League Baseball is not negotiating in good faith. They had two months to present to the players' union at least something, some version of what they're thinking, and then they could have gone back to back and forth. But no, they waited till they established this deadline. What was it, two weeks ago they, they, they set this deadline? And they came to the table the next the, – like the day after the deadline – and the players' association was like, okay, cool, let's try and work it out. They made them an offer. The players denied it. The players made an offer. The major, the MLB denied it. And then they, the deadline comes up. And like, okay, cool, let's go to Arizona. Let's lay this out. Let's get in a room. Let's figure this shit out. And though I, I was, I'm impressed in a lot of things that the league did compromise on. Um, the the ability to not just get this done so that we don't skip games is kind of a fucking joke. They're being very, uh, I don't, I should, I'm going to stop talking soon cause I'm already getting very soapboxy. Um, they're, they're, they're just, they're being very greedy with everything they're doing. They're trying to paint a picture to the public that they're losing money, that these are the steps that they have to take in order to gain revenue back to make the league profitable. But everybody knows because this has been public knowledge for the, since the end of the pandemic season that they have made money in the past five years specifically because Roger or Rob Manfred uh, references that, but also in the past two years they've made money 
um, from these massive TV deals. So everything that they're negotiating, they're trying to play the victim, but they're not the victim. You know, you know, things are bad when I apologize for the mess that that was no um, no you're good don't worry you're good conversationally to our listeners that was all over the place hey look this is our first podcast in a month we gotta you know we're getting our our legs back up because hey we haven't been recording as much because guess what we have nothing to talk about because the stupid league can't figure it out and we don't want to be on here talking about nothing you know but anyways besides the point um it the fact that i heard you said roger you know you're gonna say roger goodell and it just made me think like I'm looking at Roger Goodell a completely different light because, you know, for the longest time, Roger Goodell had the worst reputation for a few years. I was like, this guy is by yeah. far the worst commissioner in all of sports, all this stuff. He looks like an angel compared to what Rob Manfred has done to this sport in the last five years. Let me touch on something real quick on that. Let me ask you this question. Yeah. What do you think the, the big differences is between Roger Goodell and Rob Manfred? Courage. Courage in what way? I mean, I, I could see Roger Goodell actually like standing up to owners in some sense, in some ways. Um, so that was going to be, that was going to be the, the, the reason why I asked that question is it seems like Roger Goodell actually cares and actually wants to make no, these changes, yeah, but he has Rob, to convince no, all these rich white guys to do it where Rob Manfred, you can, he clearly doesn't, he's just doing the bidding. No. And we've known this for years. He's the one who referred to the 2017 world series title as a piece of metal. Um, not that this thing that these people have been working their whole lives do to try to get this achievement in their lives. Um, we saw him practicing his little golf swing yesterday while he was like waiting. It's like, I hope he sucks at golf. And I know he probably does. Um, oh, he's a classic, saw- like three foot putt. Gimme guy for sure. Yeah. And then come on, give me that. Yeah. Oh, God. Away, bro. Come on. And, but then also, when he was like laughing and stuff and having a smile on his face when he had announced that he had to cancel games. Um, that look, there's the numbers have shown there is, they're going to keep complaining that like, we're trying to make up for revenue loss, trying to make it for revenue loss. Every single st- number that's been put out has showed that the revenue that's happened in major league baseball since the mid 2010s is like astronomically high. They brought in so much money during that time. There's nothing that like, there's there's no facts behind that. There's no facts but saying, oh, we're trying to make up for this. And then, of and course, did you notice real quick? Did you notice on that point that he said the past five years, like he let that slip, and then a reporter was like, well, uh, Rob, um, team values have gone up this much amount of dollars, whatever, um, in the past five years. So what are you talking about? They're they're trying to recoup their losses for five years, and he like he could tell he like. Oh fuck! I fucked up. I said too many years. Like I should have said two years. Like you could just see it on his face, like that he messed up and said the wrong thing. And what's happened is, and we talked about, or you mentioned earlier, you know, negotiating in bad faith. Well, Monday night we were all going to bed thinking, waking up, being like, "Great, this deal's gonna be done." We saw, we should have known. We saw Bob Nightingale tweeting about things are looking very positive and all this stuff, but in reality. <laughs> It sounded like a lot of these guys were just kind of like getting back pocketed by Major League Baseball. Be like, you know, you need to spin this story a certain way for us. You know, allegedly, allegedly. But um, it just shows you like there's no good faith in this. There's no you're going to. And it's I forgot who tweeted it out, but they're like, oh, if only they put this amount of 
present or this amount of like work into like the media and pushing out a certain narrative as they did with like pushing out the images of their players, the game to be much bigger. Yeah. Cause like the amount of like Otani is the biggest player right now, but like he could be even higher up. And it's like, guess what? It's not like that right now because you're just so inept with how to run baseball. I don't know. Like, where do we go from here? It's like, look, baseball is going to come back. Idiots like us. We're going to go back to it. We're still going to watch. But, like, what needs to happen to really – I don't think baseball is ever going to get back to the popularity it had in the 90s when we were kids. No, the, the future is very grim. The future is very grim. Um, I was waiting for your response, but I'll keep going. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, well, I was going to say – I. I think what, I said this. I said this earlier in a text message with you and the Schlatters. I was like, baseball needs another Ripken record, another home run race, another win streak to get people back to baseball and get excited about something. Because in the past twenty years, you could look at you look at those three events, and there was it was a point where the game was kind of starting to lose uh, faith in the public, and then those events happened, and it kind of brought people back, kind of saved the game. Cal Ripken, Cal Ripken's record in the home run race specifically. Like those are turning points in the history of baseball. Well, that saved the game. You could argue the streak is also a part of that situation because it was, it was right after the, um, right after the, uh, uh, right after nine eleven. So people like needed something to, to Chris, distract themselves. I think but, I'm yeah. adding, I've had two uh, conspiracy theories, and I, I've just added my third right now. That's Let's why this it. is happening. All right, big Ready? smile. On my let face. me get my conspiracy theories here. I'm, I'm gonna get conspiracy a conspiracy, Julio. Let me get a wrap. If I had a tinfoil cap, I would put it on. Don't ruin I'll your just... baseball cap. Though. I know that's not gonna So for the listeners on podcast, he's flipping his. Ace I was gonna do a tonight. rally cap. Let's not ruin it. My first theory: they're delaying the season, so they can manipulate service time a little bit longer. For uh, Otani is oh, one absolutely. of the main guys who's getting manipulated in this in his service time. If they keep, if they, I think already the number of games or days played in a season <clears throat> has already been like mess up all these guys who go for free agency so like um ken rosenthal wrote a piece where like otani and pete alonzo were like two of the main guys who are like should be getting paid astronomical numbers but there's a chance that might get messed up because of this two this is all intentional because they want to have shorter seasons so that way if the season let's say starts back up in may they can be like Oh hey, look! It looks it works just as well in May. Let's just keep this. And also, like we're not losing all these games in April for these cities that have bad weather in April. So let's just move it to May. My third conspiracy theory, because you're talking about like we need something to bring the sport back. This kind of fell under the radar with the story, and not many people talked about it. Is on February seventh, Major League Baseball said that they stopped testing its players for steroids for after nearly twenty years. Mm-hmm. So you're going to tell, so what if all of a sudden baseball's back? Like, wow, Mike Trout gained 20 pounds of muscle. Yeah. Or like, wow, you know, Aaron Judge is now seven or 6'10 and weighing 270 pounds and it's all muscle. What happened? The third is extremely uh, far-fetched. I don't know if that's quite the thing. Um, yeah, but I, I do not condone the steroids. possible. Use, but. The first two are pretty realistic, though, to be honest with you. The service time especially. I mean, I, I guarantee you, that was you. part of it. I guarantee that was part of it. Um, so the owners don't have to pay that money and they can pocket more of it. Um, the second thing, 
honestly, the fucking season should be shortened. I'll, I'll be completely honest, but it shouldn't be shortened to it starts later. It should be shortened to where it ends earlier, in my opinion. You're going up against football for during playoff time. When you could be like that, that doesn't that doesn't make any sense to me. Like it literally, that's a re like okay. So a let's just jump into this. Rules though, come on. That's let, the I add. Oh, 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 let you finish your point. Hold on. Let's just, let's just jump into this now. So like my biggest issue that the players that I have with the with the player side, which is like this is the only real one of them not <clears throat> not um, coming to a deal, is that the owners want to expand to a fourteen team playoff. The, the players do not want to do that. I don't – that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. So the players' biggest thing um, uh, that they're trying to negotiate in this deal is a, a raise in the minimum salaries for players, which makes sense. Like, they're – you know, especially minor league players, they don't get paid shit. Um, I agree with that. You know, look at the NBA, look at the NFL. Everybody's getting paid. Um from from the bottom level, uh, especially from the, like the floor of 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 checks for players is a lot higher in those leagues than it is in baseball. So why would you want to? Why wouldn't you want to expand the playoffs? Let let more of your players get a piece of that playoff bonus check. Um, it, it just seems very uh, that specific point seems very contradictive. It's like okay. We want our players to get paid more, but we don't want to share. We, we don't want to share that check more. We want more money in in the pockets of the players who are like it. Just that doesn't make any sense to me. Two, more. How you're gonna one way? One I think one big way how you're gonna fix this game and the popularity of this game is you have to make for more meaningful baseball games in the season. In July, like when July comes around, the buzz of like baseball seasons here. Uh, it's the only sport that's on. Like you kind of like start to lose that, that little, like the trade deadline just happened. You kind of start to lose that little, that, that, uh, that, that popularity, that, that, that vibe, like around like August and September time. And when you get to September, you kind of know who the playoff teams are. Maybe there's like in each league, there's like two teams that are vying for like that last playoff spot. But the other hat, the other 80% of the league, whatever it is, I don't, I'm not good at math. They're they're just f- going through the motions, and that's why no one's going in the games during September. No one's like watching. If you expand those playoffs, you're gonna have like five to six teams playing for those last three playoff spots. It's gonna make for more meaningful regular season games at the end of the season. It's gonna make for more meaningful playoff games, at, like an additional round, more additional playoff games at the beginning, like of October, like. All more meaning for baseball is going to get more people to watch. Like people just, they need a reason to watch the game. It's a slow paced game. It's kind of boring at times. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like I'm a diehard Ace fan. I watch like 90% of the games, but there are times in like in August, in July where I'm just like, it's just kind of on in the background. I'm not really paying attention. Like it's cause it just, there's nothing to, for them to play for. If you shorten the season, you start the playoffs in September, August games are going to be huge with the expanded playoffs. August games are going to be hugely important. Those July games around the deadline are going to be big, even more important. More teams are going to be involved at the trade deadline. I I don't see anything negative about it. I love it. There was that. So I was thinking, as you were spinning that out, um, it reminded me. I don't know if I was texting you about this. I know I was talking to my boss about this. Shout out Taylor. You might be listening. But... Um, that week of the NBA All-Star break where there was – they legit took a full week off 
by the time yeah. actual play came back, I was so thirsty for basketball because I'm like, we have nothing right now. I'm like, I'm yeah. watching, you know, whatever random sport thing I can find because like there's nothing on right now. And I think what instead of shortening the season by saying, hey, let's cut off the beginning or let's cut off the end of the seasons, why don't we just why don't they just start initiating more cool a week off in May? a week off for all-star break and then like a week off in September or something just to be like, give a rest. So you can still keep the same, you can still keep that same pace. Cause like October baseball, I swear to God, there's nothing more exciting like in the world to me than like baseball in October, especially like the sunset, the sun is setting yeah, early. But, but, but you, you, you associate October baseball with the playoffs because that's when the playoffs are. If they're in September, it's going to be the same feel. It's going to be warmer weather, too. It's going to be better conditions for the playoffs, Julio. I would say I like when it's a little bit colder, though. Okay. But anyways. Um, the, so the I don't know. The, the weeks saw... off, the weeks off, like, it, you would have to pick those months super strategically. So, if like, if you did it in August or if you did it in July, there's no other sport going on. So, you kind of, like, fucked yourself when we'll it comes take to it. ratings. We'll take it back to elementary school. John Muir. Each each uh, division will be on a track system. The West will be on a red track. There you go. That's how you do it. You get a week off. It's not. Yeah. A, that's not a bad idea. That's not a bad. The idea. West gets a week off in May. The East gets yeah. a week off in in June. Uh, but, so, so for the listeners, for the listeners in Antioch, where we grew up, the elementary school system when we were kids it changed now it's traditional now but they had tracks and you would pick a color there was four it was red track blue track yellow track green track and all of them had like kind of a summer break but each month a different track had had like a different day off so like we were on red track we had november off we had march off and then we had july off so we were kind of like the more traditional version of that but yeah, it was so that all the kids weren't weren't in school at the same time. Anyway, it was cool. tight too, and I I I, yeah. I loved it because like cool, I got every July offer. Anyways, so the yeah. argument that I saw that was going against why teams or why players wouldn't want expanded playoffs, even if there is like a bigger hand in the pool, is because you're they think there would be more or less rewarding owners for mediocrity, that you're just gonna have this like teams that are always just going to make it in and just and like let's be real the a's would be that team where it's like cool well we don't need to spend up more because look we're still making it in every time you're one of those guys like bill simmons who is like it'll dilute it'll dilute the playoffs more well bill simmons is the guy who was fucking was promoting and trying to get the nba to do the play-in tournament for the past 10 years and they find and then it's but he's down with 10 nba teams in the playoffs but he's not down for two more teams in the in the major league baseball playoffs get the fuck out of here well you can also say the biggest difference is well at least the nba has a salary cap so like you gotta spend whereas baseball you can't have an expanded playoff like this without having some sort of a cap and it's like that's not gonna happen i don't i don't think that's gonna happen in this deal because it's like you're gonna reward the a's and the guardians and and um you know the marlins made it in in 2020 and it's like yeah so you're you're just gonna roar these teams who are just kind of getting by right now and i don't that's what the players don't want they've talked about and we're gonna talk about this in a split second i'll transition to it 
the players want every team to spend what they should be spending. You know, you know, we're not asking you to pay $250 million in payroll a year. We just actually need to be competitive, which do you have anything else to say on this or can I change? On, on that note, it's, it's, so you're basically telling me it's either the players get paid more or we save the game of baseball. That's what we have to choose right now. That's the way I'm seeing it. Players get paid more or we save baseball. Yeah, because the way to save baseball is not to pay the players more and keep the status quo. I mean that that uh, that that and that that that's not the point that I'm trying. That's not the point I'm yeah. trying to make. I'm just that's the way that that I, that it it sounds. It's like it's like it sounds like the players then then the players are being greedy in some way, shape, or form because they're they they want to get paid more and they want to keep the status quo. They don't give a shit about the the popularity of this game. It could die in ten years for all they care about, but they want to get paid more money now. Whereas if we if we expand the playoffs now and get more eyes on on the on more meaningful games, more eyes on the sport, then you're gonna save the game of baseball. Okay, I'm well. That's true. I, 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 it, it, the way you're wording it is like I have to choose those two between those two things. That's true. Obviously, no, there it, needs to be a minimum payroll. That's the solution to a lot of these problems. And you know what? It's yeah. Now that you're saying it like that, it it kind of goes back to like. Look, is it going to be a short-sighted thing that these teams are just squeaking in? Like, hey, they're not going to win, but they're squeaking in. True, but for someone, for a team like, um, uh, let's say, I mean, the, you, let's say the, the Rockies. The, the, hey, the Astros were below five hundred in in the sixty-game season. They made it to the yeah. AL ALCS. That's so a whole it's like story though. They were just hurt all year. But besides the point, yes. You could argue that, like with a lot of teams. I mean, you could, you could say that a lot of te- a lot of those teams are probably going to squeak into the playoffs because they're injured. Yeah, like let's let's watch the fucking Lakers go on a run and just ruins basketball. Uh, they're not going to, but still. Wait, let's move on. We could Anyways, argue that. Yes, we can way. argue either way. Let's just hope something gets solved soon. But uh, one part of the agreement that actually involves our boys in the green and gold um, that's going to be in there is MLB is looking to bring back the shared revenue process. Uh, this was something that was dropped back in 2016. Pretty much a summary of it is like all of baseball revenue that's come through for all these teams, um, there is a portion of it that is being sent to uh, small market teams, you know, air quotes over here, to help generate revenue for them that they may have lost from suffering in small markets so teams like the rockies the i think the royals may have been a part of it um but our boys in the green and gold are a part of it even though uh they are in one of the biggest markets in the country the and they shouldn't be operated as if they're a small market team they technically are because that's how they're operated um it'll be good in a sense because at least it'll force John Fisher to spend a little bit, but it's like, it shouldn't have to be this way. I don't know if it'll force him to spend a little bit, but he's going to get a piece of the pie no matter what. That's that, that enrages me a little bit, but yeah, I don't know. Do you think, uh, John Fisher might be, might have Rob Manfred like in his back pocket. That's been some speculation. He's, he's gotta be one of the owners. Yeah. That, that does. I'm sure there's a, there's a good amount of owners in major league baseball that they're there. I've Do you think John reading... Fisher knows how much of a fucking joke he is? That's a real question. No. Like, I would think, think he, goes, he just yeah. seems out you of touch. Do you think he goes to billionaire meetings, like billionaire get-togethers, whatever the fuck you call them, in the Bay Area, 
and doesn't know realize that as soon as he turns his back, Joe Lacob's probably like just making fun of how much of a he terrible terrible businessman he is. And I'm glad Sports you brought up that example because of look the we will have our eventual spinoff Warriors pod one day, but um, Joe Lacob is at least. You can talk about, you know, how kind of um, arrogant he is and how, you know, hey, this has worked for us in the past. We're going to keep working it. But Joe Lacob is very much in touch with the game. He's very much in touch with the rest of the ownership. Whereas you can line up five different men in their 60s and you had to say one of these guys is John Fisher. And I think A's fans couldn't tell you. Majority of A's fans couldn't tell you who it is. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the perks of just laying under the shadows this whole entire time throughout this whole 15, 16 years of being a part of this ownership group. You could, you could say the same thing about Mark Davis. It's like you can make fun of him all you want, his haircut, his, you know, the way he's run his the team. PF Chang's his PF Chang's obsession. Yeah, his, the way he's run the team since, you know, his dad passed away and he took over. But he's present, you know, like you, they do like look-ins in the draft room. On uh, on the ESPN draft uh, uh, broadcast, and he's in the draft room. He's got he's got like fucking he's got papers and pen in front of him, and he's punching the numbers. Like same thing with Joe Lacob. I I have I don't even I doubt John Fisher even goes to games. Oh, we've seen him behind home plate. We've seen him like behind twice. when I when I throw in my Kill Bill music. The hmm. I think maybe that could be that could be a way to help fix baseball. Because with NBA and with NFL, you know what a lot of these owners look like. Whether they've wanted that that face or not, you know yeah. what Jeannie Buss looks like. You know what, you know, Robert Kraft looks like. You know what this there's not many guys, if you were to see them off the street, where you'd be like, Oh, that's blah blah blah, they own X team in baseball. Whereas yeah. if you were to be like, Oh yeah, A Rod owns the Minnesota Timberwolves, you know what I mean? Yeah. But anyways, it's kind of a they're going to be getting some extra money from it. They shouldn't get it because we have the money, but anyways. Um, you know, let's talk about something mm-hmm. a little bit positive, yeah, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, more city council stuff. The stadium is starting to look a little bit better. Uh, 2 weeks ago, the Oakland City Council certified the environmental impact report for the A's Plant Stadium. It passed 62. You can probably guess who the two who voted no on it um, should be no shocker to anybody. Yeah, it was guy Their political Fife. careers. They are probably over after this run as well, probably because of that. Yeah, but uh, we're we're getting closer and closer. Uh, Mayor Libby Schaff tweeted or said in a statement tonight's vote by city council was was a historic moment for Oakland's future. The companion resolution by uh, council members Bass, Kaplan, and, and Cop ensures that all Oaklanders will benefit from the proposed waterfront ballpark district and that a world-class development with 18 acres of new ballparks or new public parks, 3000 units of housing, including new affordable housing will get built with the most sustainable and highest environmental standards on our waterfront. Uh, and then Dave Cavill said, boom with the pop emoji yes one yeah he he gave it his, i mean he he said it himself this is a this is huge step in that that uh that direction i mean both sides are are ecstatic and, and agree and are happy about the decision then that's great news we're i i a lot of people have been asking me because 
That's like the first thing that people ask me when, when baseball gets talked about. It doesn't it kind of it sucks a little bit when like you've become the go to person about stuff like this. You're like, dude, I don't know. Yeah, I don't sit in these me- well, meetings. Go ask Casey Pratt. The, the 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 way that they like they phrase it is just like baseball conversation comes up. It's like, oh, what are you fan? A's fan? Oh, an A's fan? Or should I say the Vegas A's? I'm just like, dude, you gotta read up on your shit. Especially since both of our our jobs are very uh, sports. Or well, yeah, they're both in sports, but then too, yeah. it's very. Um, we work across the country. We work with different people from all across the country. Yeah. So like, you have people who have no idea what's going on. What's going on? Go. Yeah. Yeah. My so. response is like, dude, I'm like 85. It's like 85 percent that it's going to be in Oakland, so you can stop that nonsense. So like, are you like, if you're you are a betting man, mm-hmm. it when would you say <clears throat> shovels on the ground? I'm gonna give you okay. Actually, here, you finished. If you have a statement in mind, I have something I want to follow up with. Uh, I, I this off season, this coming off season, like next, next, uh, next spring. Um, they're not going to do it in the winter. They're not going to start construction in the winter. That'd be because rain and stuff like that. You'll, you'll have delays. So, um, next February or March. Yeah. Okay. The reason I asked. Um, when I opened up, like writing down notes, one of the first things I saw was May 5th season start over under. I took the under, Mm -hmm. you took the over. Yeah. So I'm going to make another one right now. Howard's terminal. No, I thought you, I thought you took the over. I took the under. That's what I had written at least. So you, I took under before May 5th. You took after May 5th. Um, oh, okay. I thought it was the other way around. Oh, I mean, sounds like a good bet to me now. Yeah. <laughs> so let's say, what? Okay, what would you? What would you put your date then? Because I want to put this in writing and see how we're gonna do. Um, I don't know. March first. Yeah. March. For, okay. Howard Terminal shovel on ground. March 1st, over-under. It'll be after, like, pitchers and catchers report, you know. So you're going to take the over on it? Actually, maybe before. Oh, March 1st is the over-under date that we're picking? Yes. Okay. I'll go under, yeah, before March 1st. You're going to go before I think March it'll be 1st. like I think, I think it'll be before they go to camp, because if you think about it, all those people who have to be there for the photo op need to be at camp. Although I'm they taking the under- fly a private jet to Arizona, but still. So... I took down Verde as well. I think the whole point of this exercise yeah. is to show. I think we're feeling really confident about this, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm at like ninety percent now. Yeah, I was at eighty-five like, percent before, but I'm like after this vote, I'm at like ninety. You were at a solid B, and now you're you've Cause shot your way up to the A range. The only reason why it's not a hundred is because I know that they have trips coming um, to go check out like five sites in Vegas, but I know at this point it like. Um, a few writers have talked about it. It's more like they're going through the motions. Like they have these these visits set. Like they have to they have to do them now. Like you can't like skip out on it. So it's just like seeing the places out, um, getting their engineers on it, so they can kind of like think about a design and start working on that stuff. But it's like it's just going through the motions at this point. It's not anything in particular. So yeah, yeah. it's. It's just we're it's getting closer and closer. Obviously, these yeah. Oakland wants me to stay. Leadership wants me to stay. Um, yeah, 
whether it's because it's an election year and a lot of these people are up for their jobs, we'll see. But mm-hmm. all things are looking positive. Um, if you want to stay up to date, if you're not already following him on Twitter with anything when it comes to the stadium situation, Casey Pratt has been lights out. Friend if of the pod. Want- Yep, friend friend of the pod. If and when this stadium deal does get done, he should never have to pay for a beer in that stadium. Fuck no. All right, now, last thing. Or in East Oakland in general. Sorry, go ahead. That's true. Uh, last thing before we bring in our guests. I guess West uh, Oakland. What? Yeah, it'd be West Oakland. Yeah. Howard Terminal? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. somewhere over there. Anyways, last thing. Uh, the A's made a signing, as much of a signing as they can with the majors locked out. Second to last uh, thing. A- second... Second to last thing. Actually, oh, I forgot the transition. My bad. Uh, Eric Thames, if you may remember him, he was with the Milwaukee Brewers a couple years ago where he came over from the Korean Baseball League. He was the MVP out there. And he completely lit up the Brewers. 2017, he hit 31 home runs. Uh, 2018, he hit 16. And uh, 2019, he hit 25. Uh, with the Nationals in the shortened season, he only hit three. He took the year off. He went to go play in Japan, and now he's back in the States. He signed a minor league deal with the A's. South Bay he native. He is a Dinger Derby. Dinger Derby. That's what I like to – that's what I'm going to start from from this point on on this podcast calling uh, big home run hitters. He's a Dinger Derbyer. Dinger Derby. Dude, I'm I'm very excited. I'll be real with you. Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, he's he's gonna probably be the DH. He's gonna be great. He's gonna hit thirty home runs. He'll probably hit like around two twenty, which is fine. Like it is what it is in today's world. You don't need your DH to be a high average hitter as long as he can hit like five or six and bring in runs. That's all you need. He's gonna be great. He's gonna be perfect for what we need. He's gonna be. You know, I wish I would have. I, I I was hoping that Chris Davis would work out, but I think this is a better, this is a more consistent pick. He consistently hits home runs. He's never really faded off of that in, the, in well, his entire career. And Chris Davis also was with the Brewers too, so it's kind of funny that. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Um. So looking at kind of the deeper numbers with him, he's actually got a pretty those two years where he hit thirty plus bombs. Um. Or I'm sorry. Yeah, twenty five and thirty one. On Did he kind of play? Sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, on base percentage was 359, and then on base percentage was 346, which are fantastic. I think we talked about this when this initially went down, which was like he's more or less until we see what's going to happen post lockout. Yeah, going to take Mark Canna's role, not in terms of like you know leadoff hitter, player position, but in terms of like an extra bat that's going to be out there with production. Power. Yeah. Yeah, just like power production from another person. Like he could easily slide into that role and kind of hit those same numbers that Can has been hitting. Yeah, and uh <clears throat> that's a good quite that's a good point. Like um I'll, we don't know what's going to happen post lockout what with the moves and whatnot. Let's say that they that a minimum salary does get negotiated and the A's end up keeping one of the mats or something like that. Um He's going to be a nice little addition to a team that is going to be looking to win. That's probably not going to be the situation, but um, I don't know. He'll just be fun to watch. Also, didn't he split time um, with the with the Brewers at first? Like, I think he split time with someone there. So he like he's hitting thirty home runs with like I don't know, like a, a not a insane amount of at bats. No, so he got called up. It was an inch. There was kind of like a trend that was going on with the Brewers where 
they were picking up guys who had been playing in the Korean baseball leagues and brought yeah, them over. Yeah, like, like what's his face? Lin There's Bloom? a starter. I can't remember the starter's name. Lin off the Bloom, top of my right? Head. Yes, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, mm. But in 2017, he'd signed like as a full time major. They signed him for a three year, um, sixteen million dollar deal back then, yeah. or 2016 to play full time with the Brewers. Um, but hey. You know what? The A's find they're really good at like finding the diamonds in the rough throughout this gen- this run with Billy Bean. Mm-hmm. Um, he's thirty five, so this is probably going to be his last chance of making it to the majors. And um, who knows, man? I think he could really be a good piece in this Ooh. offense, even if like the guys get traded away. I was talking about this on Twitter with uh, right field Will and our boy Q, but even when those dark ages you always find something to kind of grasp on in those age runs that are just fun. So it's like the late 2000s with Jack Cust. You're like, those teams weren't good. But yeah. it was fun to watch Jack Cust play. Or like yeah. mid to, the mid-2010s, is like Stephen, you know, this after they traded Donaldson and Moss, Stephen Vogue was still fun to watch, you know what I mean? Yeah. Who doesn't like watching uh, home runs get hit? And Stephen Vogue, just the fucking grittiness that he had. Yeah. Let's move on to the next thing. Um, Derek Jeter, um, resigned as CEO and president of the Marlins a few days ago. Um, he had been there for five years when he first came, he made a deal with the, with the Marlins, um, in order to gain, um, uh, equity in the team. He put down $25 million. He was going to get paid $5 million a year. Um, and that would kind of like pay off his salary and it wouldn't cost the team any any money, but also it would help him gain equity. And he was going to run that franchise to like one day be the Jordan, be the primary owner of the franchise, blah, 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 blah. Or one of at least run the ship. Um, I mean, we're not going to go too deep into this. Me, me, you and the Schlatters um, texted about this today a little bit. Uh, Jeter's regime is, you know, questionable you could you could argue each side of it um i think it personally it's a failure because um he had the best outfield in baseball um the plan he was going to have when he took over the team was to keep that outfield it seemed like they that outfield wanted to stay because of you know who Derek jeter was they got a little bit disgruntled he started trading those guys didn't really get any prospects back in any of those trades except for the Marcelo Azuna trade where he got Sandy Alcantara, who's their ace. Um, so to have those three, to have Yelich, to have Marcelo Azuna and um, Giancarlo. Giancarlo Stan, thank you. And to pretty much get nothing out of those trades um, I think is a pretty big failure. Um, their farm system was a joke when he first took over. It has gotten better the past two years. I will give him credit for that. He has really built that up. But you could argue that was more Kim Ang who took over two years ago. So, I don't it's know. interesting. They, they, it's... They've never really been good with attendance. Their ballpark is kind of a mess. Um, baseball is not really popular down there. It's a really weird situation. It's interesting. Um, the point I brought up in the chat was like a lot of these – you know, goat players have a hard time transitioning into sports ownership. Like it took Michael Jordan forever to become a good owner. And now, you know, the Hornets are starting to come around. They got a pretty solid team there, but there's just, 
I think it, it just seems like a lot of these guys where your whole life has been this thing. What do you do when it's not your thing anymore? How do you find yeah. that transition out? And just Derek Jeter looks like he became the next guy that what's going to happen next. Nobody knows. And I, I was kind of, I, I think he'll get I a job he, somewhere. I hope he somewhere. would. I think he'd be awesome on TV. I think. I don't know. Man. I don't know. I don't know enough about his personality. to know if he's charismatic and shit like that enough. I know he, he just like, he, I know the history of him with women. That's fine. But like, I don't know if he's TV is the right move for him. I mean, he hosted Saturday Night Live. Was he good? Yeah. I remember him being good. He had some pretty funny bits. on. The, it was, you know, 20 plus years ago. But um, I just, I, I feel like there's like this, this mentality in sports media, not this mentality, this like thought in sports media that, and a lot of the public assumes it too, is like, if you were a really great player, you're going to be great on television too. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. Like Tom Brady, I don't think would be good on TV. Peyton, yeah, Peyton's. You know, Peyton and Peyton's Eli fine, but honestly, awesome. Eli is better than Peyton. Eli is Who would hilarious. Have thought too? Yeah, right. Eli's been so, hilarious. Yeah, I don't. So I don't. I mean, Drew Brees was was awful. Like, luckily, I was at a bar during that Raider game. Or I also would have lost my mind. But like the times that I could listen to him, he was pretty bad. Yeah, it's. Who knows? It's. Do you see? Do you think he's kind of seen the dirty side of being at that level of baseball? And just being like, yes, especially with all this lockout stuff going on. Like, cause at the end of the day, none of these baseball owners have played baseball at a competitive level. He's the only one who has. And no, the, I think at the top level too. No, I think, I think that he, it, he was just way, in, he was just way over his head. He was just in way over his head. I think that he should have started at a lower position, like a, like a assistant to the GM or, or, or a, 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 a a scout or and then moved up the ranks I, he'll he'll land he'll get a job in baseball front office somewhere but it won't be ceo and president he won't be running the entire operation of the team he'll be doing something with like you know with the front office player development scouting something like that he'll get like a job with the, probably the yankees to be honest with you as like a assistant gm or a and then he'll, when you know, like in 10 years he'll be the general manager or the VP watch him become like, like the that. next it'll donor. be something like that Watch the, the next sign, you watch them, the Steinbrenners being like, we'll sell you the team. <laughs> I, I don't think the Steinbrenners will ever no. sell that team. No, no way. That'd be funny, though. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't, I mean, that, that, yeah, that, that's what I think his future is. All right. One last thing. This will be quick. College baseball is going on, ladies and gentlemen. If you need your fix of baseball, me and Julio have been like super on it lately. Um, if you have ESPN College Chris, Plus, everybody. Yeah, College Chris, baby. If you have ESPN Plus, um, there's games on like all fucking day on ESPN Plus. You can just turn them, turn them on. Um, but if you want your baseball fix, that's where you can go right now. And as some of you know, the end of the college baseball season last year, I did updates. Big, big fan of uh, what they do at that level. Um, let me give you a little update on some of the local teams in the Bay Area. Cal started off real red hot. They are five and three right now. They've taken down three top ten teams. They face another top ten or top twenty five team. Face another top twenty five team on Friday, Florida State. Um, so tune into that. Um, they are not ranked, but I could see them ranked in the future, being that they have um, made had some big wins lately. Um, <clears throat> play Florida State this weekend, the fourth to the sixth. They play uh, Santa Clara on the eighth, and they play University of Arizona the eleventh through thirteenth. These games will be on Pac twelve Network. Stanford, number six team in the country. They are six and two right now. They have some um, good matchups coming up. 
um, California State University Northridge, the fourth through the sixth of March, and University of Oregon on the eleventh through the thirteenth. University of Oregon is not a good baseball program. They'll probably whoop their ass. Um, historically, they're not good. San Jose State off to also a good start, but they're not a good team. They're just kind of they've had a weak schedule. Um, uh, they play New Mexico State on uh, the fourth through the sixth, then Cal Poly, and then um, UC Northridge. Um, Sacramento State, yay, alumni right here, baby, stingers up. They are the number twenty-three ranked team in the country. They lost to Cal this week, unfortunately, but they are seven and two. They have a very good baseball team. Historically, they have a very good baseball team. Um, they play in the WAC, which is a very good baseball conference. Um, you wouldn't think that because when you associate conferences in college, you associate Power Five conferences. But in baseball, it's completely different. That is not quite the case. Um, they play Houston Baptist on the fourth through the sixth. They play St. Mary's, which is a good uh, baseball program. They're not good this year, but normally they're good. Um, on the eighth, and then um, Dixie State um, next week. UC Davis sucks. Their own five. They play UOP this this coming week, and then they Suck play Irvine in two weeks. They're not. You guys don't need to watch them. Um, St. Mary's is eight zero. Oh, sorry. St. Mary's is good. It's USF that I was thinking of. St. Mary's is eight zero. They play UC Riverside this coming weekend, and then they play Sac State, and then they play East Carolina the following week. Um, they are a very good team. They have a very nice stadium. If you want to go check out their stadium and go watch a game, I highly recommend it. Um, USF University of San Francisco. Another historically great program, not good this year, but a good program. They're five and four. They play St. John's, the Johnnies of the Big East, this weekend, and then they play Florida State the following week. Um, if you want to go watch some baseball, um, Cal, Stanford, San Jose State—they all have really good stadiums. Sacramento State, not so much, um, but they're fun teams to watch, and they're—it's a good way if you have like kids or something like that. They—they they do like kids' days, and I looked it up on their schedule. They got Cal has one coming up. They like kids' Fridays and stuff like that. There's special things for, for them, uh, special deals. Me and Julio are planning on going to uh, a USC game this year. It's 10 bucks to get into a game. $10. Super cheap. Fun, USC fun, or a uh, family U- outing. C. C. L.A. Um, Jack Robinson Stadium is actually really cool. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to go to college baseball game at some point. Support yeah, college I, I baseball. Just... It's fun. When they hit home runs, it's really loud, which is really cool. Bing! Like that I miss that sound. I haven't heard that sound yeah. in a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you need something to watch, you want something to follow baseball-wise, check out College Baseball. All right. We'll be right back. We're going to talk with Melissa Lockhart for, uh, about um, the minor league system and the minor league um, the A's uh, minor league system and some players to watch and whatnot. So stick around. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome back from the break. We are here with uh, somebody that we've been big fans of for a while. We're, this is kind of the perfect time to have her on. So uh, Melissa Lockhart, she is the senior staff writer and editor for baseball at The Athletic. So you've seen her probably uh, write some pieces for the A's and for the Giants, mostly, you know, the best teams, the various sports teams. So uh, Melissa, Melissa, are we are we kind of competitors since you do since you do the seam heads? Like I think that like is this allowed? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know, um, I think it's all good publicity, right? They always say uh, yeah. when your name is out there, it's always good publicity. But no, yeah, I think um, 
I, I'm not aware of anything in the contract. I'll let you know if I end up getting fired for it, though. <laughs> Your people we've had, talk to our people kind right. of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had, uh, we've had Alex from, from Ricky Blogs, and we've had Jason from Locked On here. So I don't. I think it's all it's all just like one big family. I we all just so. try to keep it kosher. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So welcome. Um, it's we were joke we were kind of joking right before this. We when we first initially reached out to you to kind of join and talk with us, we're gonna be a little more get better spirits. A like, cool baseball's back. The deal's been signed, but it's not, and it's kind of been perfect timing because hey, reality is this is your bread and butter. The minors are gonna be kind of the go-to. So from our understanding, minor league stuff's going to be going on as normal. Like season will be kicking off regular. Yes. Yeah. I mean, normal is a little relative. You know, I think we have to keep in mind that no 40 man roster players can be in any minor league situation whatsoever. So they can't be in minor league camp right now. Um, They can't be on AAA rosters when that season opens, if the lockout is still going on. So that includes people who haven't made their major league debut. That would include Nick Allen. That would include Jordan Diaz, um, Jorge Juan, although obviously those guys were, um, you know, relatively new to the 40 man roster. So it's kind of a weird situation. I mean, I'm very curious to see if this drags on, you know, what the opening day roster for the AAA teams are going to look like, because I think you're going to have to kind of fill them out with rookie ball players in some instances. Um, And, or it may cause the teams to decide to push guys up that maybe wouldn't have necessarily been at that level before. Um, So, you know, we're kind of entering a very weird phase, um, but it's almost the flip of 2020 when we had only the big leagues and none of the minor leagues were happening. Right. So um, as strange as that was, uh, you know, this at least will get a big portion of the organization going and hopefully this thing gets resolved in the next few weeks. And we're only talking about a weird opening to the, to the season. And so, um, but yeah, right now mini camp is going on in Mesa um, for the A's and for most of the other organizations, not every organization does a mini camp, but most of them do. Um, and then opening um, it up the entire spring training for um, pitchers and catchers for the A's is this you know, later this week and um, position players it follows it a couple of days later. So they'll be getting, going there'll be games going on but in the different complexes and all that as normal um you know pretty much a week from now that's got to be a little concerning though right considering like some of these guys maybe they were like rookie ball last year and they're like, going to shoot up to double a like just like that because they have to fill out these spots like i i don't know if i if i'm the front office for the A's, I, I would be a little kind of worried about that for some of these like, young guys who just got drafted. Yeah, it, it's not an ideal situation. I mean, you know, I think you're looking at like bench guys mostly, you know, your, your, your backbone oh, okay. of most of your rosters is going to be what it was going to be. But, um, you know, you're going to look at catchers who maybe have caught very little time coming up and filling out, um, you know, the, the back end of a AAA roster. Um, or like, for instance, Logan Davidson, you know, had a kind of a rough year at Midland. Yeah. Um, not one that they necessarily were like down on him for or whatever, but I think, you know, any reasonable kind of thought would be, and maybe you go back there again and, 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 um, you know, give double a another try, but in this scenario and no Nick Allen to block him at triple a, you know, maybe they do start him up in, in triple a and see, um, in his case, that might not actually be the worst thing because the hitting environment, of course, is so much better in Las Vegas. He could get yeah. off to a really hot start, feel really good about himself and never look back. So, you know, you never know. Hot I mean, and never get into the word too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it, it's, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword, but um, those are sort of the storylines I think we'll follow in the next couple of weeks as this sort of develops. You're on mute, Julio. 
Sorry. Uh, we all know how hot that Vegas stadium gets during the summer. And think about it. You're getting a break from, oh, I'm in Midland, Texas. I'm getting called up to Las Vegas. Yeah. It's, it's a, you know, it's wild. I mean, for the hitters, it's like a dream, especially if you're a right-handed hitter. That ballpark yeah. in Midland, um, the winds are pretty intense. And so, um, you know, Chris Carter can go there and hit four, 40 home runs. But most <laughs> most guys, even, Matt, you know, even guys like Matt Chapman, it, it took a little while to, to get them used to the idea that they could kill a ball and it's going to die in right center field. So, um they love it. They get up to Vegas and it's like, you know, a whole new world for them. The pitchers though, all of a sudden their breaking balls don't work anymore because the air is so thin. The winds are also pretty crazy in Vegas, but in a different way, it's very dry. It's very hot. Um, and there's like four other ballparks in that league that are exactly like that. You know, you look mm. at like Albuquerque and Reno and stuff. So it, it can get, it can get in the pitcher's heads pretty quickly. Damn, inflated numbers. I never I never heard about that. That's insane to Okay, I'm going to yeah, keep a closer yeah, you, eye on that now. You look at it in ERA like I don't know if you look at like Brian Howard is in in the mini camp right now and he's a guy yeah. I was a little surprised they did protect in the Rule 5 draft but it's someone that I wouldn't be shocked if he made his major league debut this year. If you look at his numbers, his ERA at home last year was somewhere in the 5s or 6s, but on mm. the road it was like 3.8 Five. And if I'm evaluating oh, wow. him and generally speaking, I, I think the 3.85 is a lot more accurate as to the kind of performance he put together um, at a AAA level than anything you're going to look at in the Vegas ballpark. Interesting. Hearing you say Chris Carter just made me so sad because I remember when they first traded him uh, in the t end of the 2012 season, how I loved him. It was like, oh, this is going to be our power. He hitter, would but... thrive in today's game. Yes. He would thrive. I mean, he, he hit 46 home runs and couldn't find a job in big leagues. You know, it's like it's yeah. crazy. how his career trajectory went. I think it's a lot about what this whole uh, lockout scenario is about, right? Like, here's a guy who should have been able to put together a pretty comfortable major league career of a few seasons making good money. And teams just decided they could get similar production cheaper and didn't sign him. And, and yeah. he led the National League in home runs. It's pretty crazy. Um, he definitely, yeah. he deserved a longer career than he had. It kind of so. feels like um, during like peak COVID this past winter with the NBA, where you were seeing guys who were like getting 10 day contracts right. off the street and you're mm -hmm. like, they just scored yeah. 40. Like what's going on kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. They played like um, eight years ago. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or seeing like DeMarcus Cousins making a comeback again. And it's yeah. like, good for them, you know? Lance uh, Stevenson. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. So a couple weeks ago, you wrote a really great piece, a great breakdown, just talking about um, the 30 players there, 33 players that you should be checking out at minicamp. Um, if one, if for the listeners, if you're not subscribed to Athletic, please do so. It's some of the best like A's writing you're going to get throughout the whole entire year um it's honestly i kind of look at it as like my little like nighttime stories every night i'll read something about the age part of the, the new boy. york times now too part right. of the new york times now yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. that's yeah. huge that's huge you like get that's... your wordle and your and your age yeah <laughs> that's, just, that's as much credibility journalism wise as you can get these days like if new york times purchases you like that's a big freaking deal yeah and we got free yeah. crosswords with it it's it's pretty exciting. Oh, <laughs> I, i'm actually super jealous of that I, I i had the like major crosswords during like 2020 but oh, now yeah. i'm just sticking i just stick to my minis and i just try to get under a minute right every day. oh i know right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I feel the same way <laughs> but um the list is super comprehensive there's a lot of familiar names there might be some names that you know for if you've been kind of out of tune for this last few months that you may not be familiar with the day's fan base. Uh, but I think the biggest thing going into this is like, especially now 
the lockout is in full initiation. We're, make, we're missing out the first couple weeks of the season. You're going to have a lot of fans who maybe be turning into or tuning into watching minor league baseball for maybe their first time. So as somebody who's you've spent your career covering a lot of minors, what are kind of some things like tips they should give to people watching for the first time? Because, you know, this isn't the majors, right? There's going to be some differences there. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a very important distinction. I think, um, you know, even at the AAA level, the game is not going to be what you expect. You know, if you're watching it on MLILB TV, the broadcast is definitely not going to be what you expect. The announcers are fabulous, but the camera work is, is pretty bad. Um, but that being said, it's still an insight into watching these. It's, um, you know, it, it's, it's a subscription, but it's one I love every year. I can kind of click around and I'm, in, you know, in Lansing, I'm in Midland. I'm you know, if I Stockton or uh, is on the road, I can still watch a, a number of their games. So, you know, the MILB TV is, is, is a fun investment if you're somebody who can sit and, and watch the games. If not, you know, even just checking out box scores every night is just sort of a fun way to kind of keep an eye on what's going on. Um, you know, I try to keep people as updated as I can as well. Um, I was doing a daily sort of rundown of highlights um, last year on The Athletic where just pulling out, you know, guys that had sort of um, good performances uh, the, the night before. So, you know, th that's one way to do it. It's a lot of players, you know, and so it's not like you're going to know everybody who you're watching every night, but um, you start to see patterns of guys that show up in those types of um, highlighted box scores every day. And then you start to think, okay, this is a guy that I really want to watch. Um, you know, if you, if you live in the Bay area and you have a chance to go out to Stockton and watch some games, um, it's a great ballpark. It's small. Um, you know, it's very geared towards family. So if you got kids, you bring them there and there's a ton of stuff to do that, you know, will keep them entertained while you can watch the game. The players are usually now that we're hopefully getting past a lot of the, the COVID restrictions, the players are pretty accessible. They'll sign a lot of, you know, gear and all that sort of thing. Um, and you know, the, the aviators come into Sacramento a decent amount as well. So you could go and watch ACE Giants at the AAA level uh, up, up at what used to be known as Rayleigh Field. I forget the new name, um, but it, that's that's also a nice ballpark. So, I mean, getting out to those games is, is really a lot of fun um, and it's a more affordable, you know, baseball experience even when the big leagues are here. Julio, we got to go get our Tyler Soderstrom uh, autographs now then when they're worth money in about five years when he blows up. I was going <laughs> to say, I think the person who I feel like they've had every single picture with every singer every single like major minor leaguer has been right field will if you just nice. look at like his oh, twitter yeah. timelines like Hell yeah. every time like how the hell do you get a picture with this guy like five years before oh no he, he is everywhere i mean i i'm in mesa i, I look and there he's there i you know it's <laughs> in sacramento and stockton and you know anywhere that you want to go it's awesome i mean he's um he actually is part of the reason these things get fun because you can see how the players react to him. And it's um, in a lot of the A's don't pay him, of course, but he's a huge ambassador to the organization for yeah. these guys coming in because they feel really important really early that somebody like him is paying as much attention to them as they are. So um, he's awesome. I hope he never stops, you know, <laughs> with his, his involvement. When Hal, the hot dog economist, put together the March Madness or the whatever Madness right. of A's fan Twitter, <laughs> yeah. we lost to him and we we're like, it was an honor. Like, thank yeah. you so much. Right. I, I, I felt that 
I would have been insulted if we beat Stewart, him. I was like, uh, I'm pretty sure oh, you were yeah. my favorite pitcher of all time when I was a kid. Like, <laughs> I, I do not even want to be in the same sentence as you. <laughs> you know, so. I, I would have been insulted if we beat Will, honestly. Like, that would have just been like, what is going on? <laughs> I will second your – I went to college in Sacramento, so I will second your, your Rayleigh Field. I used to love going to games in the summertime at Rayleigh Field. It's beautiful. It's right on the river. Yeah. It's easily accessible. I And there's a lot to do there. I, I loved it, yeah. Yeah, and the grass at both stadiums, you know, there's a big yeah, grass, the grass area for kids to run around. I mean, if you've, ever, if you've ever brought little ones to a game and they don't want to sit still, it's perfect. They run off. You can enjoy the game and have a beer. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, and so, the bullpen pitchers are always really engaging to the kids, yes. too. It's, it's They're really cool. Yeah, they, they toss up balls all the time. It's great. Yeah. Uh, and also, I had to check. The name is now Sutter Health Park. Yes, but like I, in, I should know typical, that. I write it all yeah. the time, but like you know, it, it's it's. I still call it the Oakland Alameda County Coliseum. So you know. Yeah, I was gonna say in typical <laughs> in typical Bay Area fan fashion, like we'll never call it no. whatever the actual. Yeah. Like Chris no. and I are actually both in in LA, and um, we still call it Staples. And when people yeah. say crypto, we're like. Ugh, crypto. No, yeah, that's I'm a bad. That's just a bad name anyway. Yeah, yeah. It is. It, it's. <laughs> Look, we could go on all day about weird stadium names, right. especially all the different names from Oakland. But at the end of the day, we're here to talk about kind of the young guys who we're going to be looking forward to. So um, among the 33 guys, I know there's a couple guys you mentioned, but for this year, who could you see really jumping up and make an impact this year? And then I know you've tried to lean away from doing this in the past. You wrote like a piece about, oh, what would your future A's look, look like? And you're like, hey, I, I did that back in... 2019 it just didn't look well right. so but who could you see you know three years yeah. from now who's going to be like a part of it no pressure at all you know no i mean it's um, not like we're recording this right right exactly <laughs> not like this never disappears from the internet um yeah no i you know i think the guys that are currently in minicamp um the ones that you're going to probably see at the big league level are more the veteran types um most of the A's top prospects that are in this are, are in their kind of first or second year um and and aren't likely to reach the big leagues but um some of the pitchers though i mean i think parker Dunchy had an injury last year that really kind of stopped his progress a little bit. Um, but, you know, he's a guy that they were really, you know, high on from the alternate site in 2020 um, and could be a really interesting sort of swing man at the back end of the rotation. I mentioned Brian Howard earlier. I think he's another one, you know, especially if they do end up trading some of their starters out of the rotation, um, they're going to need a lot of depth. And these are guys that, that could give them that uh, Aaron Brown's a left-handed reliever who they picked up last year as a minor league free agent and brought back again and uh, had a really nice year at Midland and, and uh, got a little bit of time at Vegas. And, you know, he could be a guy that, they could use some left-handed relief help um, who could come up and, and yeah. help them out a little bit. Uh, Danny Jimenez, you know, I think you guys saw a little bit of him last spring. Yep, um, yep. Probably should have kept him given how everything ended up going down with the bullpen. And he pitched really well in, for AAA uh, in the Toronto organization after he was sent back there. Um, you know, big time arm command issues sometimes, but if he can get it under control, I mean, you know, he's one of those guys that like every year you're kind of like, where'd this reliever come from? Like he could mm -hmm. be one of, one of those guys. So, um, those are sort of the guys I would, I would kind of pay attention to. Obviously like Eric Thames, I mean, there's a very decent chance that he's your DH first baseman, depending on how the trades and everything else go down whenever this lockout ends. Um, and again, like he, you know, as fun as it was to watch Chris Davis hit in Las Vegas last year for that brief amount of time, him in Las Vegas is going to be, you know, kind of wild. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But, um, you know, for the future, I mean, you know, I remember when when Matt Chapman and Matt Olson were coming up 
in the system and they were, you know, one level apart for some of their time, but you kind of had a sense that they were going to arrive at about the same time. And I think you get that similar feeling with Tyler Soderstrom and Zach Geloff. I mean, um, Soderstrom is younger because he's a high school guy, but has a full year under his belt um, of pro ball, but both of them, you know, sort of have that maybe, maybe another one and a half, two years trajectory till they get to the big leagues. And they're both going to be really, really good players. Um, and, you know, whether Soderstrom's the catcher or first baseman, I think remains to be seen. But, um, you know, these are guys that I think are going to anchor the lineup in, in a few years for them. You know, when I think of like, I'm, I'm personally really excited for their team signing because he checks a lot of the boxes that like the A's have always done for the yeah. last, you know, 10, 15 years. You know, are you kind of in the back end of your career? Check, cheap. Um, can you hit dingers? Yes. Are you a barrier native? Yes. It's like, cause I didn't know he was from the, um, the South Bay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, that's like pretty cool. We talked about before you came on, we're like, should we ask her about things? Like, no, I mean, that's a minor league signing, but like, let's be honest. It's not going to be a minor it's league fun. guy. No, like, yeah, it know. is. Yeah. Yeah. Remember when, when like, uh, you know, they would bring in, well, Brandon Moss. I mean, that was a similar sort of yeah. deal, right? Like, yep. you know, he was a, had played some in the big leagues, had had some success, then was struggling. And then he comes off and, um, you know, I remember they, they were like kind of torn about whether to keep him on the opening day roster that year. And they didn't. And then he like forced their hand with a really hot start with Sacramento. And, um, you know, of course never looked back, but yeah, he, he's kind of a Brandon Moss kind of player. And he's also like, that's kind of smiley personality too, that they tend yeah. to draw. So yeah, I remember telling my mom specifically about Brandon Moss, like looking up his stats at Sacramento and be like, this guy, he's going to be good. He's hitting like 340. Yeah. Like we might see him. My mom's just like, who is this person? Um, but, uh, okay. So, uh, and then one, one, uh, random question I have for you. Um, who do you think is going to be the buddy Reed of this spring? And when I say that, I mean like, who's going to be this like dark horse kid who comes out of nowhere, makes a run at camp and looks like he was going to make the, the roster i mean he got hurt so he didn't but who who's a guy who we could kind of see potentially taking that that route yeah it's a good question i mean they haven't like officially announced who will be in big league camp if there is one so it's hard yeah. to know if any of the non-roster guys are going to be there but i could see cody thomas who was added to the 40-man roster <laughs> <laughs> i see you're, you're we were, he was going to ask um, you about cody yeah, thomas right yeah, afterwards I mean, too. talk about you know it's funny, like you look back at last season and how many little things went wrong for the A's that actually had a bigger impact. And there were a couple of injuries relievers in the AAA level that probably could have helped, you know, that horrible disaster at the end of last year, they'd been healthy. And I really think Cody Thomas would have made a big difference when Laureano was suspended because, um, big time power really got his rhythm going with his swing, uh, outstanding athlete. And he's always been a guy that should have hit like that, but just maybe hadn't quite come together yet in the Dodgers organization. So, um, I know they were really excited about him. It was an Achilles strain that they were just being very cautious with because they didn't want to turn it into a, you know, Kevin Durant situation. So, um, hopefully he's fully healthy when big league camp opens, you know, they haven't had a chance to, you know, correspond with him much but he went home healthy yeah. in november so um you know i think he could be somebody that you know i mean they're they're gonna have a wide open center field competition essentially because yeah. loriano can't start the season on the roster so um if he could stay healthy i think he'd be a good one and i wouldn't be surprised if depending on how and when my league camp starts if buddy reed gets another chance too um but if the triple a season's already started then probably not so you know we don't know for the uh, for the podcast only listeners, I was pumping my fists when she said Cody Cody Thomas because I'm a big fan of his. No, I just I last year I thought he was going to be the like kind of the, one of the key piece of that trade because I looked up his stats and he did really well in the major leagues. He's hit 
above average in the minors. Um, I, I noticed the power and everything. And my explanation to the reason why he didn't get much love in, in for the Dodgers was because they have a stacked outfield. So I, I, when he came yeah. here, I was, like, disappointed he didn't make the major league roster. I was, like, really high on him. And I'm kind of hoping he fills one of these – empty outfield roles that we have this and you know season. if if he makes the a's roster they will finally have an oklahoma quarterback in their outfield so and then we can stop talking about kyler murray finally so <laughs> hurts. well that actually kind of goes to my follow-up question um which is it seems like these last couple drafts they've really knocked it out the park tyler soderstrom looks like the guy he's the future like he looks like he looks like the guy like he's gonna be it um, you talk about your articles got me super pumped about him last year. Yeah, yes. he's, oh he's, he's, he's really fun to watch him. I mean, great athlete. I mean, a really good idea what he wants to do already. He can hit the ball opposite field with power. I mean, it's you can't believe he's 19 or 20 when you watch him hit. All right. Um, but then um, um, Max Muncy writing our wrongs for letting him go. Right. You know, Max, it sounds like he's going to be pretty solid. But then if you look at like the previous three years where Logan Davidson, I think it's kind of too early still. But like Kyler, we're always going to think back at that. Um, Kevin Merrill is not even in the organization anymore. Austin Beck hasn't really panned out. So do you think there's just been a philosophical change or what's happened where these last couple of years, they've really kind of cemented like those first round picks and put them around compared to what they've done previously? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's been a philosophical change. There was a significant philosophical change right around, I mean, frankly, after the Mike Trout draft. Um, I think there there had been a sense in that draft that they had been scouted well enough to take and, and they they taught, you know, Billy Owens was been, you know, the A's kind of wonderkind of um, player development or player personnel for so many years was really on trout and, and, you know, had kind of pushed for him to be drafted, but, you know, ultimately they went with Grant green, who was at the time, a guy that had a, a good track record. And I think afterwards they sort of reassessed and they thought, you know, we're not going to be able to buy superstars, at least in the current iteration, they don't buy anyone, let alone superstars. And so the only way they're going to have superstars is if they develop them. And the only way they can do that in the first round is if they sort of swing big. So I think what you've seen is they take relatively big swings for wherever they're drafting, you know, whatever their spot is in the draft. Kyler Murray was a, was a, a big swing on this, you know, and I mean, legitimately he was a very, strong baseball talent. And I think that he gave off the impression that he was going to play baseball and, you know, I guess no one assumed nobody, maybe even him thought he was going to win the Heisman trophy, but didn't he go like 10 picks earlier than expected though. I remember he, he went a little like higher, but you know, it's like after the first three or four, it's all kind of like, yeah. if you're a first round talent, you're kind of a first round talent. I mean, he didn't, he hadn't played a lot because of the football thing, but when he was mm-hmm. on the field, he was really impressive for a guy who hadn't played a lot. And you could, you know, imagine what you could do with him when he finally got in there. Right. Um, but they obviously missed on the, like, and I don't mean this in makeup that he's not a good makeup, you know, person or player, but like for baseball, it just it, it, clearly football was his first love and they missed that. And so, yeah. you know, that's, that's definitely a, a miss, but, um, but I think, you know, you look at back was a swing that I think they were kind of hoping was going to be like a Mike Trout. It, it hasn't worked out that way. You know, AJ Puck was the guy that, fell to them that was, you know, rumored number one pick and who hadn't fallen to them, the big fastball and stuff. And it's just been injuries. I mean, before that injury, you know, that elbow injury, he was dominant looking. So mm-hmm. um, you can't always predict those kinds of things. Davidson, I mean, the, you know, the, the pandemic really kind of screwed up his whole development and hopefully he can, he can get past that. But, um, but I think that the idea is with these Max Muncy types, uh, Tyler Soderstrom's types is that you're going for, 
the biggest swing you can at the spot you're drafting. And they've been drafting in like 26, 27. So it's not like you're looking at top talents at that point necessarily from a ranking perspective, but um, they're not going safe anymore. And so you're, you're going to, you know, have some busts in that range. And then they get a little safer as they go further in the draft. I, I think last year it was interesting. There was such a huge run on pitching. And they've been kind of drafting more early position players because I think they feel like they can develop pitchers, um, you know, in their system a little bit easier than they maybe can grab the top talent position players. And so I think a lot of position players fell to them at spots. They never assumed they'd be able to get them. Like they, they thought Geloff would go in the first round. Um, you know, they, they thought Mason Miller would go higher than when they got him in the third round Denzel Clark, um, in an out the outfield with fourth round pick, you know, a lot of them projected him as a second rounder. So, um, they're, th- they were thrilled with what they came out with. And sometimes that's just sort of how the chips fall in a draft. Um, we'll see how it all shakes out, but, uh, but they've also traded a lot of their draft picks. I mean, Jamison James mm-hmm. Hanna got traded basically before he had a chance to even really be in the organization. Kevin Merrill was traded. So they did get some value for those guys if you look at it kind of that way. Um, but, you know, it's definitely not been slam dunk drafts for sure. So it does feel like it goes in waves because I remember that 2012 draft, I think, I think it was their first yes. three picks. They picked high school guys and then. You know, it was a couple years later. It's like AJ Puck, college guy, and a couple other college guys are first three picks. So it's just kind of like I don't know. It's a weird wave that they. Seem yeah, to go and, and it's interesting. Nice I mean, strategy. that 2016 draft, right? Like they had, you know, they had uh, four picks in the first 70, I think it was, and the first three of them, you know, were pitchers, and all three yeah. of those guys, Puck, Jeffries, and Logan Shore, um, were you know, significantly impacted by injuries. And that may have kind of scared them off from drafting pitchers in the first round for a little while. And I don't blame them. It's a little harder to keep those guys healthy. So that's why you just go full angels and you just draft nothing but pitchers. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's totally worked out for them. (laughs) They're tired of hearing, hearing that they're wasting Mike Trout and and Otani because they don't have a pitching staff. (laughs) Well, it's one of our, our, we have a group chat with a couple other buddies who do a Yankees podcast and they're saying, oh, they're expanding the playoffs. It's like, oh, they're just trying to get Trout in. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> they're going to find a way. I'm sorry. Trout like, still won't make it in somehow. It's like, I hate to say it, but they only they find a way every time. But that's just us oh, being terrible. Well, he's got to stay on the field for them to happen. It's good. Yeah, I think um, what a shame, though, that they're talking about is this could be two seasons that are robbed from him for other reasons mm. and then last season basically you know was an injury wash that his numbers and what you would project and then to have this happen it's it reminds me of griffey you know like yeah i mean yeah. He, you know he was on par to be well past uh babe ruth and everything and then just the leg injury started happening and it was like oh you know he's just crushing yeah. all right but, well Melissa. um again if you're looking to get some fantastic baseball writing specifically with the A's and also the Giants. Uh, make sure to give her a follow. Uh, we don't talk about athletic. that team on this podcast. Yeah, we don't. We don't. They're, they're like Bruno. You know, we don't talk. Right, about we don't talk Giants. about it. Yeah. yeah. We don't talk about Farhan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll write the song soon. Um, and then if you're looking to follow her on Twitter, uh, you can also follow her at Melissa Lockhart. That, and the last name is spelled L-O-K, or L-O-C-K-A-R-D. 
And then, of course, uh, the Seam Heads podcast. Um, how often are our pods going down the off season? Actually, you know, we we've been doing um, actually we've been doing these live rooms once a month, which are really fun. I hope everybody can oh. join, and you can actually jump on and talk to us. Um, Green like room or spaces or Twitter spaces? There, it's actually not. It's, it's it's something the athletic created. Oh, um, cool! But you can oh, jump shit. in there. You can either okay. you know chat us um, questions, or you can be like a live caller and jump in. And so, um, off season, we're doing those once a month. In season, we were planning on doing them every other week so hopefully um we can get a season to talk about soon and we'll be on there but um yeah it's, it's a kind of a fun thing if you ever want to do kind of talk radio style with us so hell yeah first time long time yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much melissa really yeah it was it. great thanks for having me on That was pretty awesome. Thank you, Melissa, for coming on. That was that was great. Um, especially hearing about Cody Thomas. That put a huge smile on my face. Um, but, you know, it, it's... I feel like with most Ace fans are pretty in tune with what's going on with Farm System because we're so used to the turnaround, so we kind of have to be. But it was nice to kind of get a closer look on it. Um, and that was cool that she was able to come on, too. We got to meet one of our heroes, you know. Um, but before we go, uh, there's something we haven't talked about yet, and we wanted to wait till the end to talk about, which is, unfortunately, the the passing of former Oakland great Jeremy Giambi. Uh, Jeremy Giambi passed away at the beginning of February due to uh, suicide in his parents' house in um, the Southern California area. And we wanted to take this time, look, I think a lot of people are going to talk about what people really remember him for, which was, you know, the unfortunate play. But Mm -hmm. Chris and I want to take this time to really say like, uh, and Steve Berman was actually one of the first people to bring it up. Uh, Jeremy Giambi would have been a really awesome baseball player right now. And I think he's actually super underappreciated for what he was back then. His yeah. career batting or his career on base percentage in his six major league careers, six major league year careers, was three seventy seven. Holy crap! Yeah. yeah, and it's just like, oh my god, what a player he could have been nowadays. Like you could see him like leading off for a lot of different teams if he. And it's kind of interesting. Like he was, you know, we talk about Moneyball so much. We've seen. We've all seen the movie numerous times and he gets on base. That's what matters kind of thing. But like, no, Jeremy Giambi was getting on base throughout those times and his, his playing time with Oakland. So it's pretty wild that it's like, this guy is kind of like a landmark player that showed like, this could be a career. You know what I mean? I, it's interesting because I remember in, in the moment in after the 2001 season, when, they traded away Jason. They traded away Damon, and um, and Izzy. And I, I, you know, I remember like being like super upset and being like, "Oh, we have no big name players." I wasn't quite in tune to what Chavez and Tejada were doing, and and they were good up until that point, but they didn't have those insane breakout seasons until until two thousand two, two thousand three, two thousand four. It feel it felt like. And I remember kind of like looking at my dad and being like, who, like, who's our star player now? And thinking like, oh, Jeremy Giambi is still with the team. And I remember he came out the the box like red hot in 2002 and really like was leading that team. And though that team wasn't good the first half of the season, like they re- like he was like the only like real star 
I'm doing air quotes that you could um, necessarily like pin on that team. And he was, you know, our best hitter before we traded him. Um, and, you know, that's what all, you know, besides obviously the play, that's what I'll always remember him being and being upset when they traded him at the deadline, being like, what are we doing? Like, are we giving up on the season? Just trade away our best player. That was not the case, obviously, but. I, I just feel like, you know, that definitely that play has given him more of a negative um look in baseball public. Um but he was he was good. He was a he was a really good player for us and he was a really key role in the in you know, the few years that he was with us and yeah. Yeah, it's 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 unfortunate that like it's kind of like a repeat of baseball history. You're always gonna have those scapegoat players. Yeah. Um when I think of um, Bill Buck, you know, think of like Bill Buckner, he's always going to be remembered for yeah. that play. Unfortunately, but like Bill Buckner was a badass first baseman for all those years. And over time, uh, Red Sox fans forgave him. Also, I, that was game six. Yes, I just want exactly. That. I just want Overrated. To, people it had another people game forget, to play. So yeah, people stupid. forget that, that people forget that, that was game six. So you can't blame the entire series on that. And anyway, I think people. Ace fans across the board, I think majority of Ace, mass majority of fans, like, hey, man. You, I think you did the right thing. Derek Jeter had no goddamn purpose being where he was. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. And, and it sounded like in 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 at least in interviews, he we don't gave, have to break down the play. Yeah, yeah it's probably, it's yeah, probably better if we don't. But um, I think the biggest thing, just hearing a lot of the quotes from a lot of the players, was like this guy was just an awesome teammate. He was just so lively. He was so happy. And I think that's what a lot of us are going to remember him for. It's just this yeah. very jolly, very lively person who really kind of was a trendsetter of what baseball was going to become over the next 10 to 15 years. So yeah, um, condolences to his family, to the Giambis. Mm-hmm. Um, if you or anybody you know you think are having any you know mental health issues where you need to talk to somebody where you feel like you're on that area – the suicide hotline is a 24/7 hotline. The phone number is 800-273-8255. Again, the phone number is 800-273-8255. Um, that's gonna be the show, Chris. Great talking Thanks with you. Thanks for again. listening. Thanks for yeah. listening. Um, we're gonna try and navigate this lock out the best we can folks um you know we wanted to do pods the past month or two but we had nothing to talk about we literally had to wait weeks to gain enough news to discuss so we'll see what happens we'll stay active on twitter obviously got an episode name lockout with lockard Ooh. Ooh. yeah done uh, for, uh, I don't uh, have uh, another sheet of food want that na- her name associated with that, but still. Eh. All right. Fine. Anyways. Um, thanks for listening. Um, hopefully we're going to have a season soon. And if so, we can have this chant, Julio, the same way that we always end our podcast. Let's go, Oakland. Let's go. End of lockout. Town Tailgate is an independently produced podcast. It is written and executive produced by this guy, Chris Madrigal, (laughs) and my partner in crime, Julio Reynoso. It is sound mixed and edited by yours truly. Social media management 
and marketing is run by, once again, my partner, Julio Reynoso. And a special thanks and shout out to my brother, Larry Madrigal, for composing and producing our theme song, as well as graphic designing our album cover and artwork. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please tune in next week. Please subscribe. And last but not least, as we always say, let's go Oakland.